podcast has bad words. <laughs> Hello, simpletons. What's up, patrons? This is the Minimalist Private Podcast. We're in front of a live studio audience here. Dude, Ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. There's some claps. I was waiting. Some, some <laughs> there we go. We need, we need an applause sign. Yeah, that's right. Dude, I, it's weird. I would rather record a podcast, a live podcast, in front of a thousand people than five people. <laughs> I don't know why that is. It's like so much more pressure for some reason. Well, patrons, you'll get yeah. an opportunity to meet these five people. You've already met at some point Jordan and Sean. We have Jordan No More over there. He's our filmmaker. Everything video-wise, we have podcast Sean, of course. He's our factotum, which just means guy who does everything. Whatever we don't want to do. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Sean knows how to do it. That's right. Yeah. And, and he's super, super talented, especially. In fact, that's why we, we've brought on more people uh, to work here in the studio. Of course, we have Jessica, who you don't see here right now. She's based out of Albuquerque. She's taking some time off this month. But she runs all of our social media. And uh, hopefully, we'll get her back out to L.A. at some point yeah. as well. It'll be nice to have her in the studio. We work, we work with a lot of people on the team, but we have three new people here. You'll get to meet them over the coming weeks and months. We have Danny Unknown. We have Malabama. Malabama. <laughs> and we have Emma Grant. <laughs> well, it'll no. work. So help me out. You can't just say no. That's, no, that's criticism. Where's right. your you know feedback? What? You're absolutely right. I don't know. I'll get back to you on the feedback. There we go. Yes. Thank you. Until yes. then, Malabama shut the is fuck up. Malabama is perfect, though. <laughs> <laughs> Today we're going to talk about the digital declutter challenge we've been doing over on Facebook. I wanted to dive deep into that. We're going to talk about some other things as well. Scrolling is the new smoking. I've got an article from Cal Newport uh, that we can cover. We're going to talk about the best apps for decluttering your home. Yeah. We're going to talk about what the heck you should do with dead batteries. What are the b best photo storage sites? How do you responsibly recycle obsolete devices and computers? How do you create a digital heritage? Well, yeah. do you even know what that means? Yeah, I was going to say, I don't even, what is that? What does that mean? Well, I'm going to talk to you about that as well. So after you die, can people inherit you, the things that you want them to inherit without them inheriting all of your digital clutter? Mm. And also, how do you unsubscribe from a whole bunch of email subscriptions? Mm. At one time. We got a lot to cover. We got so much to cover. Let's start, Ryan, with this. This is the Love People Use Things Challenge. It's been going on all month over at minimalist.org, the online city over there. So we broke it up. Jessica did this. Um, she's been working with Jennifer over uh, Jen over at Celadon, our publisher, on this. And so for folks who have been reading Love People Use Things and they want some challenges as they're going through the book what we decided to do was present them with three different challenges. So we broke it into 10 days each. The first 10 days of the month was the digital declutter challenge. So we're going to talk about some of that today. And after that was a financial declutter challenge. Mm. And then finally, an actual decluttering your stuff challenge as well. What, I want to make a joke about the financial decluttering. Like that's our whole game is like you declutter all your finances and just send it over to us. <laughs> <laughs> or at least $10 on Patreon. I'm please. a genius. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, we do have some financial challenges, some stuff challenges out there, but today we're going to talk about the digital declutter. It started on Monday, August 2nd, but the first day was just an introduction to the whole challenge, and then so we did 10 days each with each challenge. So it started on August 2nd, 
How many photos do you have on your phone? If you wanted to reflect back on your meaningful memories, would it be a beautiful experience or an overwhelming task? Today, we're challenging you to go through your phone and delete 100 photos. It might not seem easy at first, but once you get started, you'll be on a roll. Pun intended. <laughs> hey -o. Want to continue the process? Consider deleting a thousand photos in 11 days. You've got this. Now, there is an essay at The Minimalist. We'll put a link to this in the show notes, Sean. It's theminimalists.com slash delete, and it's about deleting a thousand photos in 11 days, sort of the, the methodology behind that. But it's also understanding the why behind this. If you pull up, and that's that first sentence there. Would it be a beautiful experience opening up your camera roll? Sometimes I see like what Jordan has going on in his camera roll, yeah, and it's amazing. Mm -hmm. Please don't look through my photos. It's going to be a, a disaster. <laughs> Just a lot of thumbs and pictures. <laughs> it's a lot of pictures of Bex that I wouldn't want you to see. <laughs> <laughs> but it would be a um, beautiful experience for me. Uh, not if you saw them, obviously. Um, well, you could see them. You'd need her permission. But anyway... anyway. Um, Anyway, so when we look at these, it's easy to accumulate. It's even easier for us to accumulate digital clutter, right? Mm. Because it's sort of out of sight, out of mind until it's in your mind again as soon as you open that, that camera uh, roll and, and then all of a sudden, oh, now I'm overwhelmed by this. Yeah, I love that. Like, are you opening it up and like feeling really good about, oh, wow, look at these little, you know, memories in, in photo form that I have or whatever, or do you look at it and does it stress you out? That's right. Yeah. It reminds me of the spontaneous combustion rule in a way. Like you take yeah. a physical item in your house and you're like, okay, this mug I have right here, if this spontaneously combusted, what I... You'd have coffee everywhere. Yeah, yikes. <laughs> Hopefully the coffee goes away with it as well. It evaporates or something. And well, whatever happens to it, would I replace the mug? In this case, yes, I would just replace this mug. It'd be mm -hmm. an inconvenience. Mm -hmm. But... If it spontaneously combusts and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that's gone. I think with our photos, especially on our phones, it's mm. like, I, I want to get rid of most of these because they're, they're cluttered. They're getting in the way of the photos that I want to reflect back on, the photos mm. that I find to be meaningful triggers of the memories that are already inside me. Yeah. You know, oftentimes, like I will, and I might be answering a question here in advance, but if I'm like at a doctor's office or wherever, not at a stoplight because I don't pull my phone out at, in the car. But uh, uh, whenever I'm sitting and have some time, instead of like going to Instagram, which I do sometimes and going to, you know, news sites, which I try to avoid at all costs, I'll just go to, go to my photo library mm -hmm. and I'll start just deleting duplicates and like just start, you know, getting rid of what I can. But what I love about it is I, there are a lot of trips that Mariah and I have done over the past eight years. Yes. And it's an awesome experience, man. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. We saw that one person in Ireland. And, oh, there's Mariah kissing the Blarney Stone. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a good experience. Yeah. And, and so there are different ways, and we can talk about some of those ways. One right now that really stands out is a, a photo scanning party. We're yeah. going to get into that. But having digital picture frames, just one or two in the house that rotate some of these photos, now you actually have access to those photos, whether it's from your camera roll or those old boxes of photos that are sitting around in your closet, which they're just collecting dust. And by the way, if you don't digitize those photos and something happens, a flood, a fire, a hurricane, yeah. you know, a, a, a thief comes in and just starts stealing stuff or destroying things, any termites can happen. Photos can just fade, right? Yeah. If you don't digitize them, you will lose those. Now, you're not going to lose the memories. The memories are only in you, but you might right. lose some of those triggers to those memories. Yeah. When you when you look at childhood photos, how does it make you feel? I'm just mm. curious. 
Yeah. That's, I, well, well, I mean, I'll talk about my experience and then maybe you can answer the question, but my, <clears throat> it was my mother or father, I forget which, but they gave me a duffel bag, which I still have with childhood photos. And when I first opened it up and I was like, look, you know, like all these memories started rushing back. Yes. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is so cool. And then, you know, fast forward down the road a little bit, Matt Diavella needed some childhood pictures. So I go through that same duffel bag and I'm going through them. And I still felt, you know, pretty good. But I've noticed that every time I go through those photos, I get less and less out of it. Mm. I don't know. It's really strange. Yeah, diminishing returns. Right. Yeah. And I think at first, because they're almost undiscovered, you're making me think. So in our last film, Less Is Now, we, you actually had some old footage of mine. Yeah. Because we had combined it when we moved out to Montana and we put it all in like one box. Right. And, and so I had these old videos that I had never seen. Like that footage of my mom and me in Less Is Now, I have never seen that footage in my life. Oh, wow. I, I never looked at it. And so, but if I went and looked at it every day, it would just be like, okay, that's cool. And I, I respect it. But like, man, I got teary the first time I saw it because it was a, I didn't know I had a video of me and my mom. and Dancing around the kitchen. Yeah, and I don't even remember it because Did that you was. your robe on? Yeah. <laughs> or were you naked? Yeah, I don't, I was one or the other. I yeah. was, all the photos of me. So your question's a fascinating one because the first four years of my life are relatively, were relatively um, normal. I hate to use that word. I, yeah. I don't even mean they're joyous. There we go. Okay. Relatively joyous. Yeah. And my mom started drinking when I, when I was four and mm. she was 40 and I have a, a bunch of sort of negative memories around many of those years. So photos of me at four and earlier, even five, six, because it wasn't as bad then those, are, those trigger some some wonderful memories mm. in me. The other ones also bring forward some of the the trauma that I've already dealt with. Yeah. But it, when you bring it back, it's a, you can re-traumatize yourself in a way. Yeah. And so understanding that sometimes some of these memories, it's okay to have them, but do I want access to that? Because here's the other thing. It's nice to have access to these things, but do I want to live in the past all the time? The past doesn't actually exist. The past exists only as a memory in the present moment. Mm. So we're always, as Sam Harris would say, it is always now. So the future also doesn't exist. It's only a hypothetical thought of some potential future yeah. that exists right now. Now, that doesn't mean I'm saying don't get excited about the future. No, it's okay. to. In fact, if you're going to plan a vacation, I like to plan it months in advance because I can anticipate it right now and I can enjoy that thought of we're going to go to Sedona and be at this place at this time. You can enjoy it right now for many months to come. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that too, because all the vacations that we plan, the anticipation, the buildup is the best part. Don't get me wrong. When we get there, yeah, it's amazing. You know, we have a good time, but it's funny how it is that it's that anticipation thinking about the future that mm -hmm. for me is the most exciting. And sometimes that anticipation, if we're not careful, we can accidentally build up some expectations oh, yeah. and then it's like, oh, it's, you come back with, you know, there's sort of two types of, of experiences that, and Sam Harris talks about this in one of his, his books that if you want a vacation that you're going to remember. It's different. You plan differently from a vacation that you're going to enjoy the experience of. Mm -hmm. Give you an example. We sent Sean down to Mexico a few years ago. Wasn't to pick up drugs for us. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> it was just a vacation. Right. And um, he and his wife were, um, they, they, they took a solo trip without the kids. Mm -hmm. And, 
they took a bus into the city and then they got lost on the way back. <laughs> and I think Do Sean felt... tell this story? Yeah, yeah I was can, oh Sean, you should gosh, share this story. This was so crazy, right? <laughs> no, we went down to Tulum, right? And we were exploring the uh, the ruins of Tulum. Mm. And then Diana, my wife, was like, oh, um, we should go to... Um, uh, Is it a cenote? Yeah, like, cenote. Yeah, yeah, cenote. Yeah, okay. which are basically these freshwater wells, mm-hmm. natural freshwater wells. Yeah, beautiful in, on, rock, blue yeah, water. Yeah, on the peninsula. They're gorgeous, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of people go and swim in these, and they're cavernous. There's bats in there and stuff, and you can actually go scuba diving in some of them. Well, it was getting late in the day. I don't speak Spanish very well. She doesn't speak Spanish at all. So I'm like, you know, it's getting kind of late. We should probably find a ride back. This is around 3 o'clock, and it's winter, right? Yeah. I mean, this is March. Yeah. So we go to this. She insists on going to these cenotes instead of waiting another day. Three o'clock in the afternoon, right? Mm-hmm. So we go to the cenote. I managed in my garbled Spanish to get us to a cenote mm-hmm. uh, with a taxi. Well, five o'clock or so, we're ready to leave. We come out of there. They had driven us back in the Yucatan jungle on the, the Yucatan Peninsula. We're back in the jungle. <laughs> and we come out of this cenote and there's nothing there. <laughs> so it was no really cars, easy to get there. <laughs> really easy to get there. Yeah. Cars and everything. I mean, we are twenty minute a twenty minute drive into the jungle. And she looks at me like, What are we gonna do? I've got we've got no cell service. I'm like, we're gonna walk. Mm. We had to walk probably forty it was forty minutes in mm. back to the Mexican inner in Mexican highway. Mm-hmm. Get on the Mexican highway. We still can't catch anything. We got to walk another 30, 40 minutes on a Mexican highway. Oh Neither God. one of us speaks the language. There are two Americans that don't really speak Spanish. And finally ended up finding they've got these little buses, like local buses that uh-huh. the locals use. Um, we grabbed one of the, managed to grab one of those and pretty much did not talk to each other the rest of the <laughs> evening. And we were. <laughs> lucky to get out i mean i've we've heard some horror stories right and sure. right but one of you fell asleep on the bus it was oh it's so so yeah that it gets worse okay so <laughs> i feel we're so frustrated i fell asleep and then um she nudged me at one point and i jumped up and i'm like all right we gotta get off and she's like no no it's and i'm like no no get off so we because you're you're sort of panicked and you're in this dream state yeah right. and, and so we get off of this thing at and the wrong stop. Yeah. And she's like, why did you make us get off? And I'm like, I thought we were, you were indicating we were at the stop. I'm like, I was half asleep. And she goes, no, we're, and we were still like 20 <laughs> minutes from the resort. So we had to walk 20 minutes, 20 more minutes to yeah. get to the resort. So it was, uh, yeah. I mean, now I can laugh about it. We weren't laughing about oh, it man. then. This I is my point. Imagine. Sometimes you have these memorable stories. So you're going to remember that vacation a lot more because of that. Oh yeah. And I think, yeah, that, that's a, a really exaggerated example. But an, another example would be like, if you really want to remember it, then you go to like Athens, Greece, and you take in all of the sort of uh, the sights. But it may be really boiling hot that day and the sun's beating down. It's like it may not be the most pleasurable experience. Right. But if you want to really immerse yourself in the experience of the moment, then maybe it's a trip to Maui mm-hmm. and, and you're in that moment. You're not going to remember all the details the same because yeah, it's harder to remember the sort of banalities of the way you'll remember the the overarching sort of thing but mm-hmm. y- it's really what what do i want to get out of this vacation as well and sometimes those expectations if we the build up in our mind and you get there and you 
It's like in like if you're in a sit watching a sitcom or a rom com, and all of a sudden, yeah, you know, all these beautiful brochures, and they show up, and it's like a shack. Mm. And you're like, oh, I had a. Di- the only reason it's a problem is I had a, a different expectation of what this was going to be. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Let's get back into this challenge here. So on Friday, August 6th, we talked about, uh, uh, actually, Wednesday, August 4th. How many apps do you have on your phone? Which ones truly add value? I think this is where the 90-90 rule comes in for me. So I do this with the apps on my phone, the 90-90 rule, or a.k.a. the seasonality rule. If I have an app on my phone, have I used this in the last 90 days? If not, am I going to use it in the next 90 days? If not, I delete it from my phone because otherwise it's just clutter. It's more screens to scroll through, et cetera, right? I, there are a few exceptions I have in there. I have a few just for win apps, right? Uh, like some, cause we'd fly out yeah, occasionally some airline apps. Yeah, yeah. And so, but identifying those. So just for win, that's another rule that we have. What, what is a just for win item? It's not a just in case item. It's something that we have. We know we're going to use it. It may not fit within the seasonality rule. And so can you delete, let's say you have 100 apps on your phone. I think it's roughly how many apps people have. They have roughly mm. 100 apps. And so can you delete 10 if you have 100 today? Yeah. And the cool thing about that is whether it's the photos or the apps, once you get the momentum... It usually doesn't stop at 10%. Right. It doesn't stop at 100 photos. Right. It's actually sitting down and going through it. And you realize, oh, I'm feeling freer and, and lighter. And this is, this is calming. This is relieving. Let's keep going. Yeah. That's what I love about this challenge is it's really just helping someone get momentum. We know people are going to go way beyond. That's right. Just what we're suggesting. Yeah. And, and so getting that momentum will take you, will take everyone in a different place because you ha- there's somewhere different that each of you are going to go. Friday, August 6th, we talked about screenless Saturday. So you can find this at theminimalists.com slash screenless. We'll put a link to this in the show notes. But really quick, um, this is something that Bex and I started doing um, a couple of years ago where, and there are three options because you don't have to go all the way in. You can. That's the final step if you want to. But the first one is just a social media fast. Yeah. Just avoiding all social media on Saturday. That's a version of Screenless Saturday. Mm-hmm. So you still have access to your GPS or you know whatever, your text messages, your phone, yep. even your TV, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one is digital downtime. So avoid all other screens or all your computer, your computer screen, your TV. Just take a break from all the, the glowing screens for a day. And you still have your phone if you need it for GPS, et cetera. The last one is truly screenless. All glowing screens, even your phone, locking it in a drawer for a day. Bex and I started doing this. We would go get lost together. Mm -hmm. And we started to learn about Los Angeles because it's like, oh, yeah, I've never been to Boyle Heights. I've never been to Pasadena. Let's spend some time up there. Let's just walk around. Let's get lost. Oh, wow, the Arts District. And now we're up in Azusa randomly. Like, okay. And you start to learn the way around. How am I even going to get home from here? I don't know. We've, even once or twice, we've stopped for directions at a gas station, and they look at you like you're crazy now. Because <laughs> people used to do that all the time. You would just stop. Yeah. And, hey, how do I get to the highway 110 or whatever? Now it's like, what, what do you mean? Don't, don't you have, have Google? A, yeah, don't you have a phone? It's like, actually, no, I don't. And they look. now it's like, what? <laughs> what do you mean you don't have a phone? Yeah. Right? And so we talked earlier on the minimal episode about the don't upgrade rule. So sometimes, let's say your smartphone breaks, you could replace it with a dumb phone, right? Just a regular flip phone. Yeah. You could try that for a period of time. Why? Not to deprive yourself, but to see, oh, am I actually getting more value by having fewer features and, and thus having fewer 
distractions. You did that for a second, didn't you? Yeah. Went to the flip phone? Yeah, this was back in 2011, I think. Yeah, it was a while ago. Yeah, and um, although I went two months without a phone altogether as yeah, well. Right. And and that was, well, you learn a lot about yourself. Mm. You learn a lot about loneliness. You learn a lot about your pacifiers. Mm. And so I, it was three experiments in a row for me. I got rid of my TV accidentally. You've talked about that, where you would come over to my new apartment. There's this giant TV mount on the window, or uh, next to the window on the wall and you're like hey what, what size tv are you gonna get yeah and because uh, back in the corporate days it was like comparing there's something very freudian about this by the <laughs> comparing way comparing tvs yeah the size of TVs. how big is yours yeah right. yeah and uh i had a friend well uh, a co-worker chad who had eight t- big screen tvs in his house including a giant and this is 2010 yeah. So they were way more expensive back then as yeah. well. He had one in his bathroom, like right across from the toilet. Like it's just a giant one. I think he had one in every bathroom. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. And uh, fine. If it, right. and Whatever. Back back then, I and until recently, I think I would have just judged that. Oh, that was wrong. No, no, no. If he gets value from it, who am I to say don't yeah. do that, right? right? What I'm saying for me, that's a bit overwhelming. And why is it overwhelming? Because I, I default to pacification. And when I removed the TV, and then I removed home internet, that was also an accident at first. I was moving to a new apartment so I could pay down my debt. So I moved to this tiny apartment in uh, Dayton, Ohio. In fact, you can still find an apartment tour of that old apartment that I moved to. Put a link to that in the show notes, Sean. I forget what what the actual link is off the top of my head. But I moved to this little, it's in uh, downtown Dayton. And I didn't have a TV. And then I was like, Oh, I called up the, the cable company and said, Hey, um, can you install internet? And they're like, well, no, we can't do it until at least next week. I said, okay, when I moved in, I'll call you next Monday. And that weekend was the most productive weekend of my life. And I realized like, Oh, I, maybe I don't need the internet at home for a while. And I went the next five years without it. And so we moved to, uh, Montana and we started a business together, a, a publishing company. And we decided we were running out of our house at the time. Yeah, we needed it, and so there was a use for it. And even now, we have it. And man, um, I can see a place very soon where I go back to not having internet at home, especially now that we're set up in this new studio and I can yeah. come here to work. And the reason being is the internet's not bad, but my behavior gets in the way. Mm. It's a type of clutter, behavioral clutter. Yeah. So going back to the flip phone. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, now I remember you stopped using it because of the. QWERTY keyboard, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And and I stopped. So I, I put my black, I had a Blackberry at the time and I put it in a, a drawer and uh, for two months and you learn about, well, there's no pay phones, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was one that was like half broken down the street. Yeah. And, um, or you just borrow one from a phone from someone at a coffee shop or whatever, or I was hanging out at press at the time, our yeah. favorite coffee shop in Dayton and I would use their landline phone yeah. and they'd let me use it. But... The other thing that I, I figured out is, oh, it's kind of lonely at first. And it's actually, man, maybe I have to deal with some of this interior clutter that's mm. going on. Because mm. even though I got rid of the material clutter at that point, I was one of the minimalists. Mm-hmm. I've got this other clutter. And when you take out the TV, you take out the home internet. But then when I took out the home internet, I, I still had internet. It was just on my phone and checking the likes and tweets and all these other things right there. I didn't really get rid of it. But then when I got rid of the phone, it's like, oh, I rediscovered these things called books. They're amazing, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Have you tried books? <laughs> Never heard of them. <laughs> and, books too. <laughs> and, and 
Oh, I that first weekend, I unpacked all my stuff. I wrote more than I had written in a long time. I read more than I had read. I exercised more. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. When you get rid of all of these distractions, mm. you start making room for the things you actually want to do. Yeah. In fact, I love people use things. There's a chapter in there about our relationship with creativity. And it's really about our relationship with technology and distractions in a yeah. way. Because we, the reason that we're less creative than we've ever been is because we're more distracted than we've ever been, right? And because we're so distracted, especially by our, our biggest weapon of mass distraction, it's our technology. Mm-hmm. It's that 79th organ that is in our pocket. Yeah. And so it's really distracting us. And then uh, finally, there's a, a challenge in here. When, when was the last time you decided to go through your contacts? I did this recently. Yeah. And I did it out of necessity because every time I talked to Siri and she would misspell Sean's name. And I realized I had this Sean I hadn't talked to in a decade in my phone. Yeah. And it was spelling, you know, seen, I think is the way his name was spelled. And so every time I was sending a voice to text for Sean, it was like a podcast scene. It would show up that way every time. Mm. And so as soon as I deleted him, Siri was fixed. Hmm. Right. And I don't know if you've had the same thing. Yeah. I know with Mariah, her name oh, gets man. tricky. For some reason, yeah, Siri would spell it as Maria. It's I did take your advice and deleted some of it. And it does it works like now it spells Mariah correctly. And uh yeah. well, Malabama, that'll be how you'll be in my phone from here on out. <laughs> We'll work it out. Um, Anyway, you can check that out. Minimalist.org. Just click on the online city or find a meetup group near you and find some open-minded people who can declutter their lives together. Now, Ryan, I've got this article from Cal Newport, and uh, I enjoy his blog quite often because it's just random musings from Cal. Is he still not doing email? He has a book out called A World Without Email. He definitely does email, but he... You know, it's fascinating because also I, what he recognizes, I think something that we recognize is sometimes people can go without email, but they just replace it with Slack or something else. And it's like, oh, you didn't get rid of email. You just call yeah. it something different now. Yeah. Right. Oh, man. Anyway, this uh, this yeah. article is called On Pace and Productivity. I'm just going to read a little bit of it. We'll put a link to this in the show notes. One of the books I'm reading on vacation at the moment is John Gribson's uh, tome, The Scientists. I'm only to page 190, but even early on, I've become intrigued by a repeated observation. Though the scientists profiled in his book are highly productive, in quotes, by any intuitive definition of this term, the daily pace of their work was incredibly slow by any modern standards of professional effectiveness. Galileo probably had his famed insight about the period of a pendulum in 1584 while a medical student in in Pisa observed swinging chandeliers in the cathedral. He didn't finish working on the details experimentally, however, until 1602. That's like 20 years later almost. Wow. So it feels productive on a long timeline. And I think this is what we... The point here is, and you could read the whole article, it's a, it's a long one, but what he talks about here is we confuse hands moving with yeah. getting done meaningful work. Yeah, Both are productive, or a, as you talked about with, with um, Henry David Thoreau, both are busy, yeah. right? industrious, but what are you busy about? 
What are you being industrious about? And if it's just, now I get it. It's this whole hustle culture thing. In fact, mm-hmm. when we sat down the, the team this week and had our joy committee, mm-hmm. one of the things I said, I could see the relief on Danny's face when I said this, because at first I, I said, hey, at the very end, I want to talk to you all about hard work and commitment and discipline. And I could just see like the tension. And Danny says, like, oh, here it comes. Here's where he asks us to work really hard and hustle, hustle, hustle. And I said, it's all nonsense. And like you just saw the relief wash across his features because th- there was this moment where it's like, okay, I'm not, just, I'm not saying don't work hard, don't be committed to a thing, but commitment alone doesn't really help us, right? It, commitment in that sense is what? Doing a bunch of things you don't want to do to hopefully get an outcome. Mm. That sounds miserable. Yeah. And in that sense, you're not committed to your wife, Ryan. It looks like your behavior looks like commitment because you want to be with Mariah and therefore you are with Mariah and therefore it looks like commitment. But if you imagine if you had to grin and bear it every day, oh, I'm just so committed to you. That's not what she wants. It's not what you want. That's obligation. Mm. That's tethering yourself to a relationship. So, yes, you are committed to her, but it's not because, well, it is my main objective to be committed in this relationship. No, you're enthusiastic about the relationship. Mm. And what I was trying to convey to the trio, the new trio over here, is if you're enthusiastic about whatever we're doing, then the hard work, the the hustle, whatever it is, the the focus will show up. It's not enough to be busy. The question is, what are you focused on? If I were to append Henry David Thoreau's thoughts there. Yeah. In fact, I think they often look very similar. They ape the same forms in many ways. To be focused on something means to be busy on one thing, basically. To dive deep into it. To be busy for the sake of being busy is hands moving. Keep going. Keep the conveyor belt in motion. I did a video about this on our YouTube channel. Let's Talk About Less is the series that Jordan and I filmed. Uh, Sean, I think you put a link to this specific video. It's called Let's Talk About Being Busy. And in that video, I talk about some of the problems, the tropes of busyness. And I think, unfortunately, the reason this comes up right now is all of this digital clutter is a result of our perceived need to be busy, to be more productive. But as as Cal illustrates in this article, what is it? It's real productivity is real slow. There's a, a chapter in Everything That Remains. The title of it is Strong Moves Slow. And that's because, well, strong, something that is, is powerful takes time. It, it, it doesn't happen overnight. Yes, you can be busy, 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 but are you doing anything that you're going to find to be meaningful a year from now, mm. uh, a month from now? And by the way, do you even find it meaningful in the moment right now? Usually when we're busy, it's just stressful. It's overwhelmed mm. and it's, it's not worth it. Yeah. Totally agree. You know, let's talk about some of the best apps for decluttering your home. This article came up during the research that I was doing here, and you and I have not gone through this totally, so I thought I would read it to you for the first time, and we can just comment. So these, we'll put a link to this in the show notes as well. This is from Fast Company. These are five great apps that can help declutter your home and your life. 
Yeah. I, I want to throw like caution out right now. Yes. That like no app is going to fix all your problems. In fact, it might cause more problems, right? This yeah. is the palliative care versus cure. Yeah. And so if you don't understand the why and you start heaping some apps onto you, mm -hmm. it's like, imagine I'm going to download an app that helps me manage my apps. Right. Exactly. Okay. Like yeah. I, I get it. And maybe some of these things will add value to your yeah. life. Yeah. But always be cautious about taking on more to deal with your problem of more. Right. It makes me think of, uh, you know, people who are needing help with their finances mm -hmm. and they're constantly buying books. You know, maybe it's how to get rich. Maybe it's how to manage your finances. Maybe it's, you know, financial course, whatever it is. These are all tools that certainly could help. Yes. But there's, there might be a certain point where you have to accept that, like, spending more money on something isn't going to help your financial problems. Yeah. What is the occult term that we talk about in Love People Use Things is, I used to hear this, you have to spend money to make money. And, like, I believed that because people said it with confidence. Right. What the hell does that even mean? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you could I, just end it. You have to spend money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that yeah. would that would make sense. <laughs> right. Yeah. If you spend money, it, yeah, it's like anyway. that. Remember that South Park episode where like it was like uh, steel underpants question mark profit. Yeah. That's sort of the same equation there. It yeah. was like I don't know how we're gonna make money by spending money, <laughs> but uh, I'm not gonna question it because someone said it with real authority. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Anyway, here's the first app. Uh, see what you've got and get rid of it with. Bye-bye. I thought I said ribeye at first, which is a strange <laughs> name for an app. Ribeye. Bye-bye, like B-Y-E, B-Y-E. Yep. Yeah. The free Bye-Bye Declutter app helps you straighten up by providing a checklist of things to get rid of. You create lists and add them by snapping quick photos of items. When finished, you can add text to each. How often used, the cost, other notes, to get a clear view of all you have. So you may no longer need... Toggling a regret slider. Oh, okay. So there's like a little slider on there that if you regret having the item, well, then maybe that's uh, an indication to yeah. let go. Dude, this sounds, this stresses me out thinking about it. Me too. Like I mean, catalog, cataloging all your items, basically. This to me is, is a type of hoarding in a way. Yeah. And so I'm not recommending the Bye Bye <laughs> app because it is now you're, hoarding your things not just physically but also digitally yeah and we're also not not recommending it it's just great point for you and i is it doesn't make much sense right i'm sure there's someone out there who gets a ton of value out of it the easiest way to declutter your stuff is to get rid of most of it not to catalog it <laughs> you are not a museum right now yeah. i get it if now maybe this app here let's think of a, a case where it would be useful ryan maybe okay. it's useful uh, if you've simplified your life and now you are at a point where you're like okay i feel like i've I've gotten rid of 80% of my possessions. I feel freer. And, and there's still some things I'm not really sure yeah, about. I could see that. Yeah, you don't... I mean, imagine cataloging, three, cataloging 300,000 items. Mm. It's going to take you forever. Why, why do that? But if right. now you've gotten it down to your 288 items that you own, mm -hmm. okay, I could see where you're like, okay, you know what? Some of these I still don't want. Maybe this will help me with that. Yeah. Next one is called Sweepy. Keep it clean with Sweepy. Sweepy is an app... That helps you create cleaning schedules to keep your home clean and tidy. Hmm. It shows how to split household chores among family members. That could mm. be really helpful, yeah, especially if you have a big family, right? For sure. It shows uh, family members and even rewards with effort points to encourage a little harmless competition. Well, I don't know about that part. I don't know there's such a thing as harmless competition, but maybe there is. <laughs> 
The next app is called Adobe Scan app. So purge your papers with Adobe Scan. Nothing clutters up a house quite like piles of aging paperwork. To the rescue, the excellent and free Adobe Scan app, which uses your phone's camera to create high-quality PDFs as easily as taking a photo. I Mm. use Apple Notes feature, which does the same thing now. And so you can use that. You can use the Adobe Scan app as well. Next is subdue your subscriptions with unroll.me. Now, someone's actually going to ask about this in the future some, on, later on this episode. In fact, I'm going to talk about some of the problems potentially with unroll.me and some alternatives mm. to unroll.me. So it's not something I necessarily recommend. We'll talk about that in a bit. And finally, there's an app called Thumbtack. Can't someone else do it is the tagline here. Time is money and decluttering is awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree with both of those. Well, time is time, and sometimes it costs you money. Yeah. And decluttering can be awful, especially if you're doing it on your own. It's overwhelming. And that's why I don't recommend decluttering. I recommend getting rid of the things. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, which ends up being quite a potential, co- uh, potent combination for some people. For those of you who want to get organized but just don't have the time, willpower, or wherewithal, there's thumbtack the free app connects people to uh, the free app connects people who need help with professional service providers such as handymen house cleaners painters or you guessed it professional organizers so and you can see who's available in your area how much they charge reviews by former clients and more this one can be really helpful however let's be cautious about this one as well People ask us all the time. We're out on tour, and they'll come up to us and, "Hey, uh, you know, while you're in town, what if uh, I paid you guys to come over to my house and and help us organize?" And it's like, "Well, no. There's two reasons why no. Because right. I hate doing that. I don't want to do it my own house, let right. alone yours. Mm-hmm. And and second, I can declutter your closet for you, but it's going to be recluttered a month from now. Yeah, a year from now. Yeah, if you let someone else do the work, then it's not going to be nearly as meaningful and you're not going to get those lessons out of it. Yes. Like that packing party, it was awesome for you to come over and help me pack stuff up. But, you know, when I had to like get rid of all of it and, um, yeah, pull stuff out. I mean, if, if you would have done it for me, a, like it wouldn't have been, uh, it wouldn't have been to my taste. It would have been to your taste. Right. In fact, I remember there was a certain point where you were like sweeping a bunch of coffee mugs into a <laughs> garbage bag. Yeah. Cause it's really easy to throw away somebody else's stuff. You had a lot of, you had like 30 something coffee oh, mugs. That's ridiculous. Well, Hey, I drink coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that how we justify yeah. everything though? Yeah. And by the way, you didn't buy all 30 of those one day, right? You'd get one at an event or you buy one at a store or mm-hmm. whatever. And all of a sudden before you know it, seven, eight years later, now you have 30 coffee mugs because mm-hmm. you never stop to question any of those coffee mugs. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, yes, you can hire professionals to do certain things. I mean, we certainly hire professionals to do things in the studio with the lighting and the artwork and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. But the question is, if you have a burden, dealing with that burden, it's probably going to be most beneficial for you long term if you personally deal with that, that, that burden. And if you need help, get someone that you know to help you or hire a professional, but they help you. They don't do it for you. Yeah. I've got this essay that I wrote a few years ago called Scrolling is the New Smoking. In fact, we're actually working on a film project based on that title, Scrolling is the New Smoking, that we're, we're pitching right now. This is just between us and the patrons, though, so it's not for public consumption yet. But I'll just read this really quick so we can have a jump-off point here. This is another sort of tactic that has helped me with my own smartphone use when I'm out and about. 
All right, it goes something like this. You're eating dinner with a friend at your favorite restaurant. Amid the sounds of utensils and dishes and mastication, you hear the muffled ring of the mobile phone in your friend's pocket. Most people wouldn't stop the conversation to answer their phone in front of you. Even if it was an emergency, they would step away from the table to take the call. Why then don't we extend the same consideration to text messages, emails, and tweets? Look around the next time you're in line at Chipotle, Whole Foods, or Exxon. Our addictions are showing. A generation ago, nearly everyone casually puffed cigarettes throughout the day. Today, indoor smoking seems crazy, but it's been replaced by the captivating glow of our four-inch screens. Damn, perhaps scrolling is the new smoking. I actually got this title. I'll pause real quick because I was in the Midwest at one point where we were on tour and we, there was this, we were walking by this office building and you know how people have to go outside to smoke now, right? Mm-hmm. But now it was freezing outside. It was like Chicago or Minneapolis and this person's bundled up with a hood and a hat and this big puffer coat and they got the smartphone in the hand and the cigarette in the same hand mm. and I realized like, Oh, yeah. It's secondhand scrolling here. Mm. And and it's, well, I'll get back to the essay here. Now look around again. Take in the room. Breathe. Why isn't anybody smiling? If the telos of our technology is connection, then why do we let our devices create a smokescreen between us? There's been much talk about building a wall lately, but perhaps we've already built one, an attention barrier between us and the people in our everyday lives. To tear down this glowing wall, I've been trying something different lately. Anytime I must respond to a message at home, at the office, or at the local burrito joint, I simply say, please excuse me while I step outside and take this message. Just like I would if I needed to make a call, or if I decided to take up smoking. It sounds silly at first, but this choice forces me to prioritize that which is urgent versus that which is important. When scrutinized, our urgent tasks are rarely important. Plus, my friends respect my good manners, and they always, almost always extend the same courtesy back to me. It's funny because I used to find myself doing this where I would, I would take my phone out of my pocket, mm-hmm. And say we're having lunch or coffee or whatever, and yeah. I'd set it on the table between us, right? Not thinking anything about sure. it. Sure. But then I realized over time, like, what am I? What what signals am I sending? Right. Oh, Ryan, you're the most important person in my life right now, unless anyone else in the world decides to interrupt me, right? And then you take the back burner. Yeah. That's the inadvertent signal that I'm sending to the people that I care about. Yeah. It's. I was gonna say now, uh, you don't even ring your phone. If we're eating or, yeah, like now you just leave it in the car, which is, yeah, I've been starting to do that more and more. Because it's like, I don't know, man, we all got the pool, we all got the urge to just check and then you feel the phantom vibrate, not even a real vibrate, just you think it's vibrating. Yes. And then you pull it out to look at it and, uh, yeah, well, while I'm on there, I might as well go ahead and whatever, Yeah. check whatever. But, yeah, I, I love even now, like, just when we go out to eat, how you don't even bring it with you. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I think Bex has the phantom vibrate. I got it for her birthday. patent pending no um the 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 thing about the the screens that we bring with us is they they do create that that barrier Mm. and i realized this yesterday i I took ella 
out to there's this immersive Van Gogh experience. I'm sure you've seen some of the billboards around town. Or yeah, the, yeah. It's 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 in the old Am- Amoeba Music Building, which um, is over in Hollywood, and they've redone the whole thing. It's amazing. If y'all get a chance, go out check it out. Yeah. The Van Gogh. It's it's stunning because what they've done is they've taken Van Gogh's paintings, they've digitized them, mm-hmm. but in a way that adds immense value. Tom York did some of the, the soundtrack to it. Mm. So you walk in, you're just overwhelmed with like this gorgeous music. In fact, I asked Ella what was her favorite part afterward, and she said the music. Oh, wow. And, and uh, in fact, if you want to take a look of what it sort of looked like on my Instagram if you click on the little Ella highlight, I think the most recent photo in there is a photo. And so one of the things that I did is I took just a photo while we were there and then I put my phone away. And it was like a way for me to sort of set a a boundary for myself, one, one and done. And I noticed the lady who was next to us, she was filming basically the whole thing. Mm. And this before this would have been a judgment to say, oh, that's the wrong thing to do. Mm -hmm. But what I'm saying is if I did that, I'd be missing out on that whole experience. Mm -hmm. And so maybe she was amplifying her experience by experiencing it on her four-inch screen. But for me, I didn't want to experience it through a screen. I actually wanted to be there while I was there. I didn't want to have to do anything to experience it. Mm -hmm. And Ella was, I mean, it's all around you. It's, I mean, even the floor was the art. Wow. This is all projection. And so... And so you have this, it's turned his paintings into like a cityscape and you see the sun rising from one of his paintings and then it casts light all throughout the room. And even on the floor, his art is on the floor and it makes up, you know, you're walking on his art even. It was truly stunning. And this is an example of taking physical art and enhancing it in a way, not that you have to get rid of the old art, but enhancing it in a way that people could experience it differently now. Yeah. And I tell you, I've seen Van Gogh paintings at museums and they're fine. Mm -hmm. I I like them. Yeah. But it was not like this. Yeah. This was a true experience. Yeah. It sounds awesome, man. Yeah. It was great. Uh, Anyway, that scrolling is the new smoking. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. Ryan, I know we got some surprise questions here. We start with uh, Kathleen. What is cloud storage in terms an elderly beloved grandmother would understand so let's just talk about let's i know that that term the cloud can be confusing because we we imagine that it's actually up in a cloud somewhere here's here's a better way to think about it for me is my computer here that i hold up it has a hard drive in it right i can either store things on the hard drive here or i can store it in the cloud which really means someone else has a big giant hard drive somewhere else Mm -hmm. and i upload through the internet connection to someone else's hard drive and I pay them, I'm basically renting out storage space for a dollar, two dollars, three dollars a month. Ooh, that's yeah. an interesting way to look at it. Yes. Like all the, yeah, all the storage units we have, it's basically a storage unit for your digital files. Uh, right, yeah. right. And in this case, what does that do? Now, because imagine if I could do that in my house, mm-hmm. yeah, it would be ideal. I would actually, this is the one way I would advocate for more storage units throughout the country hmm. is what if my couch disappeared the moment I got off of it mm. and I had that space freed up? And as oh, soon as wow. I wanted to sit back down, I just accessed it again. Mm. And now I could sit down on it again. Yeah. That's kind of what's happening with cloud storage because I can access it right away. It works really well for digital technology. If I did that with my couch every time, I'd have to go get it out of storage, hire movers, <laughs> et cetera. Okay. Yeah. Murphy, yeah. Murphy couch, patent pending. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah. So, Kathleen, there's your answer. Sarah has a question for us. What should I do with dead batteries? 
Yeah. So I read this question mm -hmm. and my first thought was like, well, you go to, you know, whatever electronics shop you go to and they typically have battery recycling stations. Yes. But then you were talking about how you have found something new to do. And it, and it's and you said you're trepidatious about it. So yeah, what do we do with our dead batteries? Yeah, that that's a it's a good question. It's a nuanced question. Thank you, Sarah. Now, first off, I, I tell you what I do currently. There's a place because right now Target here doesn't take them anymore. Best Buy doesn't take them anymore. Oh wow. We used to uh, give them to WeWork. They don't take them anymore either. Mm. And so there's a place at UCLA that's open one day a week that will take old batteries. So you have wow. to like plan around that, drive out to Westwood, etc. Mm. But this is from the U.S. Forest Service. This is uh, fs.fed.us. And the question is, what should I do with dead batteries? Batteries come in several different types. Proper disposal depends on the type of battery you have. Mm. So we start with um, ordinary batteries versus universal waste batteries. Those are the two main categories here. Okay. So ordinary batteries, regular alkaline manganese and carbon zinc batteries are not considered hazardous waste and can be disposed of with ordinary trash. Huh. So is this like a, like a Duracell battery? Is the double that... A batteries that are in that clock right okay, there. Those yeah. are alkaline. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, and so according to the U S forest service, hmm. you can throw those in the trash. Mm. Personally, I'm not there yet, yeah. but according to, because I, Okay, I can go to UCLA or whatever. Huge inconvenience to do that. But now that we have Emma and, and Mallory, maybe it'll be much easier for us to get rid of our batteries. <laughs> yeah, we just give ours to Emma and Mallory. <laughs> yeah, that's what you all can do too. Um, other common single-use or rechargeable batteries, such as lithium and button batteries, are recyclable. But access to recycling may not be available in all locations. So, I mean, you think most medium-sized or small cities aren't going to have access to recycling yeah. those types of batteries, right? Yeah. You may be able to take these batteries to a household hazardous waste collection event or drop-off location sponsored by your county, city, waste disposal district, or health department. And then we move on to universal waste batteries. These are the nickel-cadmium batteries and small sealed lead-acid, SSLA, rechargeable batteries are considered, quote, universal waste. These batteries are commonly encountered in emergency lighting, exit signs, security systems, and alarms. They're expensive to purchase, but they are rechargeable. Overall, they may save the use of hundreds of disposal batteries disposal batteries over their lifetime, providing good life cycle cost effectiveness. All universal waste batteries produced since 1997 must include the following wording on their labels. Battery must be recycled or battery must be recycled or disposed of properly. You can search for local rechargeable battery recycling facilities by zip code at this website, Earth 911. Hmm. So the website, we'll put a link to this article in the show, but it's just earth911.com. Refer to the Everyday Hazard User's Guide for more information about nickel cadmium and SSLA battery disposal and universal waste. And so basically your everyday batteries, the alkaline batteries that most people use, you can just theoretically toss them. Yeah. we can toss them. Hmm. The other batteries, they need to be recycled. There's a website where you can search here in your area to find the best place to dispose of yeah. those properly.
man, it is, uh, it's, it's not easy like doing the responsible thing, you know, or the, I don't know what you want to call it, whatever thing it is. Mm-hmm. Like the, the thing that's good for the environment. I mean, that's why we are where we're at is because yeah. we, we don't, we, we take the easy route. We don't do the hard work. It's not, it's not easy to not harm is maybe the way that I think about it yeah. because we don't realize the harm that we're doing quite often mm-hmm. with, uh, you know, if you were just to take one of these universal waste batteries, the nickel cadmium batteries, and you throw it in the trash can uh, and that goes to a waste site and all of a sudden, you know, that, that is contaminating the environment. It's like, yeah. oh, it's just one thing. Yeah, but if everyone does that one thing, it's such a problem. Yesterday I was walking uh, with Ella. We were walking around the block and she is always tempted to pick flowers off of other people's flower bushes. Mm. And there's like a bush there, beautiful bush with all these purple flowers, maybe a hundred flowers on it, 50 flowers. Yeah. And, and she pulls one off of there and her mom goes, Hey, you know, we've told you 400 times not to do that. Mm -hmm. Right. And she's like, but it's just one flower. And then Bex goes, yeah, but you know, if there's 50 flowers there and 50 people walk by and do that, how many would be left? And the look on her face was like, oh, yeah. Mm. It's not just about me. <laughs> Hard for an eight-year-old to grasp that. Yeah, but I think she's starting to get it. Nice. Get it. Aaron has a question for us. How do I appropriately curate and store my digital photographs? I lost thousands by accidentally deleting a SIM card, and it gutted me. So I would hate to lose more, but I also find it hard to know where to start in decluttering photos. I'll tell you what I do with my digital photos is so it starts with physical photos right i scan the physical photos digitize them and then you can do whatever you want with them you can get rid of them you can hold on to them yeah i i prefer to get rid of them but then i have redundancy and that's where that's what aaron didn't have here she didn't have some sort of redundancy so i have a backup hard drive Mm -hmm. it's separate from my computer right? Mm-hmm. I can store anything I want on my actual computer as well. Yeah. So I've got the computer where I can store things. And then I have the backup hard drive. And then I have the cloud. It's a triple redundancy, right? Mm. And then yeah. there, there are a handful of physical photos that I've held on to, you know, maybe 1% of the physical photos that I had at one point in time. Mm-hmm. And now I have those. So it's almost a quadruple redundancy in a way. Mm. The problem we run into is if we just have one version, whether it's physical or one backup version online, whatever it is, and something happens, you lost the SIM card, there's some sort of power outage, your computer dies, and they're just gone. Yeah. But for me, I have it on Dropbox. Let's say Dropbox goes out of business today at noon. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what? Now I have it on a hard drive as well. Yeah. Okay. That hard drive explodes. Okay. I have it on Dropbox. Yeah. Right. And so having that at least one redundancy, even Sean, podcast Sean is recording this right now and he's doing recording the audio on his mixing board there, but he has a redundant, a backup in case something were to go wrong because we couldn't simply replace this for $20 in less than 20 minutes. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so uh, it falls in the, the emergency items section. Yeah. That's our emergency items rule. Totally. Yeah, uh, organizing photos is a pain in the butt, especially if you haven't done it up to this point. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you've got to find boundaries and 
start applying those and that's how you curate your photos. You can also do a photo scanning party if you have a lot of digital photos. So you can go to theminimalists.com slash scanning mm -hmm. and find the details where you, you get a scanner. You can even use your phone now, but you, some of these scanners are great. You feed them through real quick. And this, the party part is because you bring some people over and you sort of look at those memory triggers together. Yeah. And you also realize like, Oh my God, 90% of these photos are terrible. I don't even know who this person is from this <laughs> 1940s photo. Why do I want this? And, and oh, yeah. who, you know, th that's a picture of my thumb. Mm. I don't need that either, right? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. We got a question here from Kelly. How do we determine which apps to delete? You kind of talked about this earlier with the seasonality rule. I yes. mean, there's a lot of different rules you can apply here, I think. Yeah. For me, it's, yeah, I, I get to a point every once in a while where I get overwhelmed by my apps. Now, I literally have, like on my home screen, there's nothing. The only thing I have on my home screen is the Kindle. Like that's the thing I can go right to and read. And like, uh, so that's the only thing that's like right there available. Everything else, I have four different folders and I have four different folders and, and all the apps go in one of those four folders. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, even then, like as clean as it is, I still start to get anxious that's sometimes. Right. It's usually, there's a utilities folder. And that's kind of like my catch-all. Like, if it doesn't fit in the other three, it's a utility. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, long story short, when I get that overwhelming feeling, when I start to recognize it as clutter, mm -hmm. that's when I'm like, okay, I have to think about the boundaries I've set up and start deleting some, some, uh, some apps. You can start with that deleting 10% of them today if, that, yeah, if you need some momentum. Another thing you can do is, so you talked about some of the boundaries, some of the rules that we have. We talked about the seasonality rule. The just-in-case rule. If you're holding on to any of those just in case, Ooh. then let go of those apps immediately. You can always re-download them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and guess what? Once they're out of the way, the thing about the just in case rule is you almost never go back to those things you're holding on to just in case. Yeah. The just for win rule. So I'll give you a couple examples on that. We have like I have not flown on an Alaska flight in the last 90 days, mm -hmm. and I don't think I'll be doing it in the next 90 days. Although with tour, it, it may happen. Yeah. Um, and so. If I, I know I'm going to use Alaska at some point again, mm -hmm. yeah. and so I just expand the seasonality rule for me sure. to be one year, one year on something like that. Mm -hmm. And then there's the emergency item rule, which applies less to apps, but maybe there's some sort of emergency app that you're going to need have access to. I don't know. Maybe there's an app you hope you never have to use, but it's there in case you need it. That's what an emergency emergency items are the just in case items that you hope you never have to use. Right. That's the best way to look at emergency items. Yeah. And then another rule, the spontaneous combustion rule, which we've talked about. But if that if that app just deleted from your phone automatically, would you feel relieved or would you re-download it? Yeah. And if so, then if you feel relieved, that's a sign to go ahead and delete. It's so easy to declutter these apps. Mm -hmm. You just have to spend some time. I do this with my photos as well. We're going to talk about photos in a bit. But if you have some trigger to declutter your apps, maybe it's just the first day of the month. Or maybe it's like any time I'm at the doctor's office or I'm waiting in line somewhere, mm -hmm. I'm going to take that time to to remove some of these apps from my phone. And finally, if you want to get really, really uh, aggressive with it, what if you did the 30-day minimalism game but with apps? Ooh. So you start the first day of the month, you get rid of one app, second day of the month, two apps, so forth and so on. And if you make it to the end of the month, you would have gotten rid of about 500 apps. <laughs> yes. Which I guess maybe some people have maybe, that many apps. Yeah. Oh, wow. Play that with a friend or a family member. And that's... Um, that's where I'm going to start. Yeah. Heather has a question for us. Is it worth it to try to salvage an email address that starts receiving multiple spam messages a day, or should I just make a new one? Ryan, you've had to deal Dude. with this lately. Yeah. Like, 
Yeah, I don't know if I want to go into detail with what happened, but I just had basically a bunch of unwanted emails coming into my account. Yes. And uh, I actually thought about ditching it, Mm -hmm. but I was able to salvage it. um, And it's like, knock on wood, everything's back to normal now. Yes. But, uh, I mean, I guess to answer this question head on, on, Heather, it's like, how, how important is that email address to you? Is there a way to salvage it? Uh, if it's spontaneously combusted, how would you feel? Yes. So yeah, Heather, we don't have an answer for you here, but those are the questions I would ask myself if I was considering deleting the email. I, I swear to God, I was like so close to just being like, Josh, I'm not doing email anymore, man. Like I'm going to have a phone number <laughs> yeah. and you can text me or call me, leave me a voice message. That's what Bill Murray does, man. He literally has well, to get a hold of Bill Murray, there's no email, mm-hmm. there's no texting. He has like an old school landline phone mm-hmm. with an answering machine. Right. And you call and you leave the message and uh, apparently he will call you back like if it's, you know, if he wants to work with you. I think maybe we try this with uh, the next film that we're working yeah, on. That would be cool. With this digital decline. It's, it's, a, it's a, a film series actually about digital minimalism, scrolling as a new smoking. And we can, we can implement some experiments like this because we could temporarily remove email for a period of time and then decide whether or not to bring it back in. Yeah. With respect to your email address, it's just an email address. Mm-hmm. And unless you have a bunch of like really expensive collateral that has your email address printed on it. Mm-hmm. And even then it could still be worth reprinting that if you're getting so much spam that it is burdening you. So yeah. what is the cost of, of that? Yeah. You're going to add some extra friction in your life, mm-hmm. but it's just an email address. And if you get a new email address, it's going to be fine. Yeah. yeah. I, I think about this. We were, uh, we were with Dave Ramsey a few weeks ago and he has a, I'm obviously going to give out his email address, but he has a really simple email address that you would never guess what it is. <laughs> and you could tell that at some point he got so much spam. He just had to switch email addresses Yeah, and it's not the easiest one to, re- to remember. Rob Bell's the same way. He mm-hmm. has a hilarious email address mm-hmm. and it's fine. You can switch your email address. It's not a problem. And we just set up uh, Danny and and Emma and Mallory with email addresses here. It's a separate box. And Mm -hmm. there might even be a slight piece to that because it's like you're starting afresh. You're starting new. There's no no clutter in it yet. Mm. And so that starting over is a way to remove all the clutter at once. And by the way... That might require you now reach out to the people who, whom you want to have your email address mm. and everyone else, you can set up a out of office. So if I ever get rid of my current email address, yeah. the out of office will say, it'll say something like this. It'll say, hey, thanks for sending me an email. Sorry, I no longer check this email box. Mm-hmm. Please send me my, uh, a text message yep. or an email at my new email address. If you yeah. don't have either one of those, then you'll have to find a different way to get a hold of me. Yeah, I was thinking what I was thinking about if I was going to stop using email, it was going to be similar to what you said, call, call or text me. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, wait, but people, some people aren't going to have my phone number, which is great. That's a good filter. Yes. But then the other thing I, I guess I was going to write in there was, uh, or you can tweet me <laughs> and just put my Twitter handle in there. Yeah. And that way it limits them to 140 characters on what, <laughs> That's what they want to contact me about. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. The, the, um, yeah, thinking about the, the the limitations there of that, right? Because what are we doing right now? We're so bombarded. No mm. wonder we're overwhelmed. There are a million ways to get 
in contact with you or, or me or just your average person, right? Mm-hmm. And even though my email address is not public, somehow people find a way to figure it out or they find it. I'm, I'm sure I'm on some list somewhere sure. at some point. Someone has bought the list and they're marketing to me now. And so, yes, walking away from that email address. Might be the most freeing thing you do. Oh, yeah. maybe I'm going to do that. We'll, we'll talk about that for scrolling know, as man. the new smoking. Yeah. All right. Um, Here's a question here. Brand? Yeah, we're going to brand. What are the best photo storage sites? Should we keep backup copies? What should we do with the physical photos that we've digitized? It makes me think of, uh, what is it, $1 scan? Like that's a, mm-hmm. that's a website. But they, what's beautiful about them is they send, you send them your photos. Mm-hmm. They scan them all. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they give them to you. Dropbox file or hard drive. They'll or either give it, it to you on a physical version or a, um, or a digital version mm-hmm. or both, right? Yep. And then they throw away the physical copies. Incinerate them. Right. Yeah. 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 So that, that's one company. I've got this article here from Tom's Guide. And this is the best photo storage and sharing sites for 2021. And there's just three main ones here. And uh, two of which I use. And so the first one here is one that I'm not familiar with. So we'll put a link to this in the show notes as well. The three best cloud storage services for photos right now. So these are the services a little bit different from Ryan talked about $1 scan. That's if you want someone else to scan your photos for you, right? Mm -hmm. But um, if you already have your digital photos and you want to store them somewhere, here are three services. The first one is called iDrive. And this one is listed as the best photo cloud storage right now. iDrive reviews consistently high due to its great features and fair pricing structure. It's available on Windows, Mac OS, as well as smartphones and tablets running Android or iOS or iPad iOS. And offers a cost-effective, efficient way to store your photos with an annual plan starting at about 80 bucks. Mm. So that's another cost to keep in mind here. Is it worth 80 bucks to you to have that peace of mind? Only you can decide. So Dropbox is what I use. So this is the second one here. Yeah. Number two, Dropbox. Excellent features across free and paid plans. Dropbox is one of the largest file storage platforms around uh, this model they have is called a freemium model by the way so mm-hmm. you get free up to a certain amount and then you pay beyond that right mm-hmm. and so dropbox is what i use to back up all and we use files when jordan shares uh photos that he takes of us and it's all stored there on the cloud now i don't even keep it on my computer i used to have dropbox synced with my computer so all of my dropbox stuff was also syncing to my computer but because i don't have enough space now now it's just on dropbox and guess what I just go to Dropbox, get the photo I want. Yeah. It creates slightly more friction, but with that more friction, I have so much more traction and freedom. Mm. And finally, number three, Google Photos, which is the top free service, and it has uh, paid features as well. So we'll put a link to this in the show notes. So you get free up to 15 megabytes. And so Google Photos is something we use. Like if you find our press photos for us, like theminimalists.com slash press, it just takes you to a Google Photos album. I like what I really like about Google Photos is it allows us to have a shared page where, and it's, it's a beautiful interface as well. Totally. So if you want to share an album with someone, Google Photos is a good way to do that. Yeah. So I think that those are the best photo storage sites. Now, to cool. ask, answer your other questions here, should we keep backup copies? There is no should. What are you comfortable mm-hmm. with? Are those backup copies 
providing you freedom and peace of mind, or are they a burden for you? If they're yeah. a burden for you, then you may want to let them go. That's certainly what, what I do. And what should we do with physical photos that we've digitized? Well, I keep about 1% of them, and uh, a few of them I have framed even. But you know, what should you do? Are you getting value from them? Yeah. If not, I'm going to let it go. Yeah, totally. Becca has a question for us. Is there an app that can delete copies slash multiples of photos on my smartphone? I have so many, literally thousands, and it's just way too time-consuming to review them all to find and delete the redundancies. So hmm. I have a few best practices that I use here. So number one is I have a trigger to go into my camera roll anytime I hop on a flight. Now, you and I, we fly more than your average person, so it doesn't, that doesn't have to be your trigger. But what can be your trigger? Maybe it's every, every time you go to the DMV or the doctor's office, the, anytime you're waiting in line somewhere. Maybe it's anytime you go to Chipotle yeah. and you have to wait in that long line. Yeah. I just go through my most recent photos and delete anything that I don't want there anymore. Now, if I do that enough, if we're flying enough, for example, then I have very little work to do. Before the plane even takes off, I've gone through and deleted everything I want to delete. Yeah. Now, during the pandemic, it didn't fly at all. And so last time I hopped on a plane, it was like, oh, man, I'm going to be spending this whole flight <laughs> deleting some photos. And that's okay. Yeah. The key is doing it more frequently. And so during the pandemic, I probably could have used a better trigger. What's something that happens at least once a month to you yeah. that will trigger that simple behavior of decluttering the, the camera roll? Here's one other thing I do, because the best way to, do, to avoid the clutter is to not bring it home in the first place. Mm -hmm. Now, that is especially true with our phones because it's so easy to clutter them with photos. Mm -hmm. So I learned this from my friend, our friend, Adam Dressler, who's a photographer. And he was talking about going to um, uh, physical film, which Jordan knows all about. Jordan does a lot of physical pictures. In fact, he was showing Ella, he let her take a few uh, film pictures the other day with his film camera and she wanted to see the picture right afterward <laughs> and didn't realize like oh I, I have to get it printed out and all of these other things right yeah. and in in that experience she realized that you have to be very deliberate about the photos you take you can't just snap 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 because mm -hmm. you'll run out of photos very quickly right yeah. and so last night when I was at the Da Vinci thing it was snapping the one photo it's yeah. treating digital photos as though they are film photos yeah now that causes all kinds of problems sometimes my thumb will, or finger will end up in the picture mm -hmm. now that's just a beautiful part of the of the process mm. or maybe the, the the picture's blurry okay but now i've in, in a way it almost enhances it, it because i i wait around it makes me intentional because if i have unlimited photos on my phone which i essentially do i can just be there the whole time bah, 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 taking pictures the whole night but if it's i, I can only take one picture tonight Man, I better be one, I better be intentional with the one bullet I have because I can't <laughs> I can't do more than one. Yeah. And in a way that is also freeing. It's a freeing boundary. Yeah. I uh my trigger is when I take like I've did my mom's in town and my little niece and we'll take like a selfie and I'll do like I don't know two or three of the same thing. Yeah. And then I just my trigger is to go in right away and delete any duplicates. Okay. So that way I avoid duplicates in the future uh -huh. so that's another thing you do too just uh what what is it what, what do you what do you call it you like clean as you go along yeah it makes it way easier than if you just like let it all build up that's right yeah yeah because at some point you don't realize it but oh crap 
I'm a year in, two years in, a decade in, my camera roll is just a hoarder's paradise <laughs> or a hoarder's nightmare, really. Mm. Krista has a question for us. How do you responsibly recycle obsolete devices and computers? We have all of them just chilling in a back bedroom closet. Yikes. I get it, right? Because it's like, what, what do I do with these? And I don't, yeah. really what you're saying is I don't want to deal with this right now. Because let's be honest, Krista, you could have Googled this. And you could have found something to do really quickly with those computers, right? Mm -hmm. In your area, there's a bunch of places. But fear not, we have nine things you can do with working and broken old computers here. This is uh, an article from Cake, and um, which is a website that Ryan mm -hmm. finds to be delicious. Cake. <laughs> All right. So um, a bunch of different sections here. What to do with old, broken computers and lap laptops. I'm not going to read the whole thing to you, obviously. But number one, use dual monitors if the display works. So some computers may not function, but their monitor or display is still functional. Many people who work on computers enjoy the experience of using a second monitor. I don't recommend that. But hey, if you've always wanted a second monitor, your old computer doesn't work, but the monitor still works, that's one option, right? Mm. It's not something that would appeal to me. Number two, turn turn an old hard drive into an external hard drive. That's a great idea. If you have a broken old computer, but the hard drive still works, well, you can turn that hard drive into an external hard drive. Oh, wow. yeah, although, what I'll say is if, it, if the computer itself is broken, there's a good chance the hard drive is broken yeah. as well. It's a really big hard drive, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So keep that in mind. There are other options out there for external hard drives that are relative excuse me, relatively inexpensive, and they take up very little space. Number three, donate to the local school's computer science teacher. Most high school computer science classes want to be able to use an older generation computer. That way, they can freely poke around without worrying that they will break it. Students who want to learn how to repair computers might practice on an old computer. They may harvest parts out of it and add to their custom-built computers. So that, that's nice. So there's sort of this archive of old computers at a computer, computer science lab mm -hmm. that you're never going to... You don't want to deal with this stuff. You don't want to start repairing computers at home. But you have the... They, they actually want to do that. They mm -hmm. want the, these extra parts, right? Mm -hmm. And so they're getting in your way, but they really need them. So mm -hmm. someone else can get value from it. Number four, try selling parts to a computer repair or rebuild shop. Mm. So there are... All you have to do is Google computer repair shop near yeah. me you'll find a place and maybe you can sell it may be 20 bucks yeah it may be free but at least you get it out of your house right I, I, yeah i was gonna say like i gave mine to a computer repair place and they they take it yeah because they're like sure we'll take your computer from you because we can use those parts and make money off of them but yeah for me like i would pay someone 50 bucks to take it off my hands and make and to dispose of it responsibly. Yeah, I just want to get this out of my house, get it out of the way. Yeah. Right. Number five, sell it for cash online. I mean, I think that's been a nice thing because pawn shops used to be like whoever locally was going to buy it. Now, eBay, Craigslist, all these other sites that we use. What are the ones we've been using to sell some stuff, Jordan? What's offer up? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And uh, we rented something recently from Friend With A. Oh yeah, that's that. That's an app called Friend With A. Put yeah. a link to all those in the show notes as well. It's pretty well. Friend With A, like we were filming something, and Ryan needed one of those one wheel motorized skateboards. I think they're called pints, maybe. Okay. Yeah. And anyway, someone let us rent one for fifty bucks from that he uses regularly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so we got to use it while he wasn't using it. He made money. It was way less than us buying one of those things. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. And so having access to it, that's another way to do it. Um, let's see. Number six. 
find a good e-cycling location near you. Sustainable Electronics offers a directory of places near you that can recycle sustainably. So that is a website here. It is called sustainableelectronics.org slash recyclers. And if you go there, we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. There's also a place called eCycling Central. Also has a database that can help you learn more about the things to look for in a recycler as well. So mm-hmm. if you want to find a recycler that aligns with your values, then you can go to eCycling Central. The website to that is eCyclingCentral.com. Link to that in the show notes as well. And then finally, what to do with old computers and laptops that still work. Number seven is donate to a friend or family member without a computer or laptop. So I did this with Ella when, um, you know, when she needed a, an old tablet that I wasn't using. Mm. Here you go. Now it's your tablet, right? Yeah. But you can do that with anything else as well. You, there's someone else who may find value from in it just because you aren't finding value doesn't mean that they, that they won't. So donate, this is number eight, donate to an after-school program without a computer budget. That's the thing. A lot of local municipalities, they are strapped for cash. So Mm -hmm. they don't really have all of even the essentials or the value-adding non-essentials. And so wouldn't it be great if some children in a kindergarten class or somewhere else had access to your old working computer you're not using anymore, right? And then finally, number nine, Donate to national or international computer distribution charities. Hmm. Organizations like World Computer Exchange or the National Christina Foundation will take a functional but not fancy computer and find a new person to use it somewhere around the world. The National Christina Foundation donates to adults living with disabilities. And then it goes on in this article, how to dispose of an old computer if it cannot be sold or donated. We'll put a link to this whole article in the show notes so you can dive in for yourself. It's called Nine Things You Can Do With Working and Broken Old Computers from joincake.com. Cool. Let's see what else we got here, Ryan. I know we wanted to talk about Tanya's question. How about we dive into that? <laughs> How do we create a digital heritage? So let's talk about what, what she means by digital heritage. There's actually a website called Skypod. I don't know of any competitors they have because they have this patent-pending technology, basically. But it is... So let's say, like, right now... In fact, this is something I'm going to work on for you and for Bex. Mm. Now, we're fortunate enough that if I were to pass, there's so much out there in the public ether. You're not, there's, not a, 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 there's not a shortage of Joshua Fields, Milburn... Memorabilia. Yes. It's, <laughs> there's videos and all this other stuff out there, the sure. podcast, audio, etc. Yeah. But maybe there's some private things that I want to share with you and with Bex. And what I could do is I can go to skypod.com and you, I create this sort of, well, here, I'll just, uh, I'll, I'll read this, their, their top paragraph here. They call it a digital time capsule hmm. and storage technology. Skypod is an innovative patent-pending cloud storage platform that allows users to save, record, and upload personal videos, photos, and other digital files to be encrypted, then delivered to one or more recipients and made viewable at a later date, both during and after life. Hmm. So it could be something like, hey, Ella's only eight right now, but I want to record a video for her right now and share it with her on her 18th birthday. So she would actually, if she had an email address, she would receive it 
the video right now, but she couldn't open it for 10 more years. That's pretty cool. So it's a digital time capsule. Yeah. They're unable to open. And then good idea. in the process, if I want to cancel it a year from now, I can't believe I said that. You know, I had all those curse words to Ella. Right, right. I was yelling at her, how dare you? <laughs> um, you've ruined my life, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I, I've, and I, oh man, I want to cancel that before she opens it. You can do that. Oh, wow. But you can also do it so that when you die, um, now, there are other services out there, and you can Google some of these, that if I were to die, I can keep sending you emails in perpetuity if I wanted to. You can get a weekly email from me yeah. for the next hundred years <laughs> and uh, because I've, I, I, I set them up in advance, right? And so yeah. the, the moment that I die, it triggers something, and, and now all of a sudden you start getting these creepy emails from <laughs> dead JFM. And I, I'm definitely going to do that and haunt you oh. and say all kinds of crazy things. Uh, dude, it, this makes me think of uh, John Malkovich. He filmed, a, he filmed a movie that won't be released until 2100. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, like, he intentionally filmed a movie that no one in this lifetime will be able to watch, and mm. then it's set to release in 2100. Wow. I know, how, how wild is that? That is fascinating. Yeah. yeah, and so you're doing the same thing, but you're doing it for your loved ones. If there's some things that you want people to have access to, some video recordings, thank you for being in my life, et cetera. I can imagine how meaningful that would have been I, mm. if this would have been around. Like, when my mom was dying... Just her recording some of those that last year of her life in a way, yeah, and then being able to open it after her passing. Wow, yeah. Mm. I don't know. There's something like I thought I have about how your mom had, you know, how many apartments worth of stuff? Yeah, in yeah. One small apartment, about three three houses worth of stuff, and and really none of it was something that could you know serve you like this would yes so even though her holding on to everything mm-hmm. still wasn't the right stuff and this would actually add value in a way that none of the stuff could yeah. and i'd find it to be far more meaningful and by the way it wouldn't take up any space right how beautiful is that mm. let's see what else we got here we got a question from ashley all right how do we unsubscribe from a whole bunch of email subscriptions at one time Mm. Is this possible? I didn't know you could do that. It is. So there is a service called Unroll Me. Okay. Unroll.me. You can do it with physical mail for sure. I have to do that like once every two or three years because yes. something happens to where like, and it works really, really well. Yeah. Stop getting all the spam, you know. Yeah, I'll pull that up as well. We, we can talk about that real quick because theminimalists.com slash day 15. So we've mm-hmm. got this 21 day journey on our website. The first thing we ever published at the minimalists way back in 2010. <laughs> so we're all started. Yes, yes, indeed. So day, the bottom of day 15, the direct marketing association offers a free online only service at dmachoice.org to stop catalogs and junk mail deliveries or to get more of them. If you desire, <laughs> can you imagine like, Oh, I'm going to sign up for more junk mail. Right. Um, but you can. Mm. Most legit mailers are a member of the DMA, so this could reduce your load of unsolicited mail by up to two-thirds. When you're at the DMA site, you may also see a direct link to optoutprescreen.com, which will prevent the majority of major credit bureaus from sending pre-approved credit card applications to you. Another site you'll want to check out is worldprivacyforum.org, which is a clearinghouse for all these matters. So you can just go to theminimalists.com slash day15. You can find those. There's one other thing I'd add to this now. I use an app on my phone. I think it costs me two bucks a month. It's called uh, Paper Karma. Oh, yeah. And so anytime I get 
who gets mail anymore, by the way? Who? What the hell are we doing? Dude, I get mail from the people who used to live. I still get a gas bill from them. Like, for the people who used to live. Right. And I, like, I'm calling the gas company, return to sender. Like, it's it drives me insane. Anyway. You're getting everyone else's mail yes. or everyone else's junk that they want to thrust upon you. Yeah. There's one exception, though. So, we actually encourage people to write letters to us. Oh, yeah, So, yeah. you can mail us here at the studio. Anything handwritten is... Always a delight to get in the mail. Right, but that's not usually what we get in the mail. No. Everything we get in the mail are things we don't want. Oh, my God. And they do such a good job of, like, you get the mail and it feels, it looks important, it looks official, like some kind of tax document or something. Yes. And then you open it up and it's like, you could get DirecTV for forty four ninety nine a month. Anyway. Right. Yeah, and it, it makes it look like urgent, open now. Yeah. yeah. And, but in a way, or sometimes they'll even make it look like it's handwritten. Mm-hmm. And it tricks me. And I'm like, oh, maybe my cousin sent me, I don't know, something. Anyway, yeah. I almost never at home get mail that I want. Right. I'm tr- occasionally, I'll get something that is like uh, the Paris Review, which is a quarterly you know, uh, review that I, I subscribe to, fiction mm-hmm. and poetry and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I have to surf through an entire tidal wave of junk, of nonsense. And the way that I've opted out of most of it, 90 plus percent, are the things I just talked about, theminimalists.com slash day 15. It really works too. It, yeah, absolutely it does. Great. Yeah, this is, we don't sell anything there. It's not no. ours. It's just, I, in fact, that information is from Clark Howard. And, and then on top of that, I use Paper Karma. So anytime I get some sort of solicitation from State Farm or something, you just snap a, a photo of it. And it picks out where it comes from, and they automatically unsubscribe you. Wow. But let's talk about email on top of this as well. Yeah. So, uh, Well, I was going to say one more thing about uh, junk mail. It What blows my mind is how much of the mail that gets sent, how much of it is advertisements. Yes. Like, it, it's got to be 80 or 85%. So it just makes me think how I've seen, you know, Congress, like, come up with these bills, these these laws that say, Hey, we don't want to do junk mail anymore. We just had it like last year where they wanted to stop the robo dialing. Mm. But the problem is that there's so much money and the people who provide the service to send junk mail or the people who provide the service in the robocalls that they don't do the right thing. Yeah. Or the courteous thing, maybe. Especially with respect to the junk mail, because it's the post office. Their Mm. main function is to spam your mailbox. It's Yeah, it's really wild when you look at it that way. In terms of their revenue, the vast majority of their revenue comes from junk. Yep. We call it junk mail. And yet, there are some ways to obviously deal with it. We talked about those. Let's move over to email because it's even yeah. easier to get junk mail there. People spam yeah. you or over time, you just signed up for a bunch of newsletters. You bought something from this company and they enrolled you on their list or mm-hmm. you signed up for a newsletter that you no longer want. Now, there used to be this site. Well, there still is a site called unroll.me, mm-hmm. but there were some issues with that. So, I've got this article here. I'll put a link to it in the show notes for this maximal episode. By the way, if you want to write a letter to us, it's theminimalists.com slash contact. We will check those letters. Anyway, this is from B-Bomb, and the title is The Six Best Unroll.me Alternatives You Can Use. Unroll.me is a powerful tool that helps you unsubscribe from unwanted emails and keeps your inbox clutter-free. However, the track record of this popular service when it comes to respecting users' privacy is questionable, to say the least. Back in 2017, a New York Times report exposed the company's privacy practices that showed how it shared user data with Uber, 
Hence, if you're looking for alternatives to unroll me, here are our best picks. Wow. So, like, they were the website under the guise of we're going to help you get less junk mail. Mm -hmm. And then they just collected people's information and sold it off. That's how they made money. Yes. And so, keep in mind, if you're using something for free, you are the product. Yes. And that's why I'm always happy to pay for something like Paper Karma, for example, because it's like it's two bucks. Mm -hmm. But they're also, I'm not the product now. I'm actually buying the product, right. and, I'm, and I use it regularly. Yeah. So number one, the built-in unsubscribe button. This isn't a third-party tool, but it's the simplest way to unsubscribe, unsubscribe from emails. When you see a promotional email or a newsletter that no longer interests you, click the unsubscribe button at the top of Gmail, Outlook, or other email services of your choice, mm. et cetera, et cetera. Number two is leave me alone. That sounds like the perfect app for me. <laughs> Leave me alone, Ryan. <laughs> you wish. A great alternative to unroll.me is leave me alone. With this website, you can easily unsubscribe from all unwanted emails. You have to create an account on leave me alone to use the service. Through the free tier, you get a total of five unsubscriptions. So this is a, free, a freemium model. And then you have to pay $2.50 for 50 unsubscribes, 10 bucks a month for 50 unsubscribes per month or $16 a month mm. for 200 unsubscribes a month. Dude, I I donated once to a political candidate. Worst decision I've ever done in my life. Same. Because it's like, then you get like, oh, hi, I'm John Smith and I need your help. And then you're like, you unsubscribe from John Smith, but then you get, you know, Sally Q. I mean, like it just, it's never ending. It's the worst. It, oh, it, dude. It has incentivized me to never donate to Oh, a yeah. Every time I unsubscribe ever. and like when I put a reason, I'm like, it's because... You send me so you don't respect my inbox. Yes, like that's why I'm unsubscribing. And oh, by the way, yeah, you have basically made it to where I will never donate to any political candidate ever again. Yeah, thanks for disrespecting my time, my attention, yeah. and even the money I gave you. I paid you to spam me. How ridiculous <laughs> is that? Yeah. Number three is Unlister for Outlook. So if you use Outlook, there is. Uh, if you're looking for a tool built especially for Outlook, Unlister should be your pick. The service will scan your inbox for spammy emails and will list them all out for you. So it sort of gives you a list. All you have to do is click on the unsubscribe button. With a free trial, you can unsubscribe for up to five email, email lists or you pay 20 bucks a year to get complete access. Number four is Polymail Unsubscriber. It is a tool, uh, another option you may consider if you're looking for an easy solution to unsubscribe from emails. For those of you who don't know, Polymail is an email client for PC. Okay, and then uh, number five, CleanFox. Another third-party solution that might come in handy is CleanFox. Just like other services on this list, you'll have to link your email account to access and use the service. From CleanFox's homepage, you can either delete an unwanted email, or delete and unsubscribe from the sender altogether. So you can do either one there. And then finally, there is a service called Clean Email. Lastly, we have Clean Email. Clean Email is a helpful service for those looking for a way to regain control over their inbox. You can use Clean Email's unsubscriber feature to stop receiving unsubscribed emails. However, it is a paid feature. Good. I'm, I'm great because here's the thing. If you're not paying for it, you're going to get advertised to or they're just collecting your data. So you can yes. be careful with all of these are alternatives. I'm not saying don't use unroll.me. I don't know. Maybe their track record has gotten much better since they were exposed by the New York Times. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering, Ryan, with the recent flurry of spam that you've, you've 
had take over your inbox, mm. maybe something you can do is try one of these out. We can report back on a future maximal episode yeah, over uh, here on Patreon. I would love to try it out. Uh, we got one more question from Diane. All right. What should we do with old DVDs and CDs, especially those that contain films and music that we like to keep in some form? So hmm. let's talk about DVDs. Let's talk about CDs. Uh, so, Emma, CDs oh, yeah. are like, um, <laughs> how do I explain this? <laughs> we have some Gen Zers here that, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. No, so They're so antiquated. It's like, oh my, like uh, walking down Hollywood, because uh-huh. um, I used to take that path to the office. Not anymore. So don't try and stalk me, patrons. <laughs> but there's always the guys who have the CDs. Yeah. Hey, man, how you doing? Oh, I'm just, just out here slinging CDs, which, by the way, don't ever ever accept a cd from someone on the sidewalk yeah it's never free and not only are they going to try to get money out of you they're going to try and get as much time as they can out of you anyway unless you're interested in buying their music then right have of course at it. of course but like they would come up to me like hey i'm giving away free cds and i would be like dude i don't have a way to play that uh-huh. like i don't even know how i would listen to that right yeah anyway and, and so that's the thing Ask yourself, do you actually want to get rid of your DVDs and CDs? That might sound weird coming from one of the minimalists. Yeah. But if you're using your CDs, yeah. if you're using your DVDs... Why get rid of them? Why get rid of them? You're asking this question, though, likely because it is burdening you. I got rid of my DVDs and CDs because I, like, my ear can't pick up on the difference between vinyl and a CD and a digital in a digital form of a song, an MP3. Well, especially with MP3. what Apple's doing now with... Um, their lossless technology yeah. and the surround sound technologies. Some yeah. of these are even going to eventually be better. They're already better than CD. Some of them may even be better. Uh, this is preference, right? Sure. Than analog. Right. I know Henry Rollins, who lives n- near here, he has like a $200,000 setup, and he only listens to records or cassettes. Right. He'll only listen to analog versions of the music because he prefers the sound on these really expensive speakers. And so, yes, he has the ability to listen to these things and he uses them now why am i going to go to henry rollins house saying why do you have all these cassettes right. why do you because i use them right. and i would be doing him a disservice if i said well you need to declutter these you you need to get rid of them it's going to free you up no it's not he gets incredible joy from the experience that he he receives from these over and over and over however those things may have brought you joy in the past, the DVDs and the CDs. But now if you have the digital version of those and that's how you listen to your music, that's how you watch your, your movies, mm-hmm. man, I'm going to get rid of them because they're simply in the way. Now, what can you do with them? You can still sell them. I mean, I know that's wild, but Amoeba Music here in LA, they will take old used music. Now, they might pay you a quarter or 50 cents. Right. But if you have a thousand CDs, that's going to add up. It's better than it sitting there taking up space on your shelf, but also that space that is taking up in your mind. It's stressing you out. It's overwhelming you. And if that's the case, maybe it's time to let go. Yeah. I don't think I own any CDs or DVDs. I own one CD. It's in my CD player in my car. I have a... I don't, man. I was going to say, I think I had like a minimalism DVD, but I gave it away. <laughs> <laughs> to a hoarder on the street. That's right. Take yeah. this. <laughs> all right oh. y'all patrons thank you yeah. so so much oh wow we're grateful you. for you love people use things we'll see you next time see ya the minimalists <laughs>